0: Welcome to The Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton, and joining me today is Miss Leanne Rimes. Yes, Leanne Rimes, the international multi-platinum selling acclaimed singer, uh, joins me. We talk uh, actually about quite a few things. Uh, Leanne shares a little bit about her personal journey in taking off the performance mask of life. and reclaiming a sense of individuality and wholeness, which I think that we can all uh, really identify with. I know I can. Certainly, I've been through that place in my life where I was pretending, I was performing who I was uh, and and led me down some dark paths. But uh, we talk about that. We talk about her relationship and building a relationship out of infidelity, which is very potent and powerful to talk about. Uh, and we talk about her personal transformation uh, and and personal uh, maturation of her artistry from country music singer into what she is doing today. So let me tell you a little bit more about her in case you don't know too much about who Leanne Rhymes is. Uh, she's an acclaimed singer, ASCAP award-winning songwriter who has sold more than forty-four million albums globally. That's wild. Won two Grammy Awards, 12 Billboard Music Awards, two World Music Awards, three Academy of Country Music Awards, one Country Music Association Award, and a Dove Award. So at 14, 14, by the way, 14 years old, she won the Best New Artist, making her the youngest recipient to take home a Grammy Award. And she'd been honored with the Ally of Equality Award by the Human Rights Campaign for over 20 years of equal rights support uh she's passionate now about and has always been about using her voice to help heal the world so she has released a chant album recently uh this past November uh the chant, the album's called Chant the Human and the Holy and on November 30th she will continue her wellness journey with the launch of an iHeartRadio podcast called Holy Human so uh that's live now Uh, which is awesome. She's doing some great work there. And it'll bring her lifestyle uh, blog, uh, Soul of Everly, which is uh, something that maybe some of you might have followed in the past, to life and introduce fans to the teachers and wives' souls that have made a positive impact on her life. So this is a, a cool little podcast, a really great interview where Leanne really opens up about a lot of her uh, her, her personal life, her relationship, her development and progression, not only as an artist, but just as a human being. Uh, and we sort of move past and l- take a look behind the celebrity mask at, at the human being uh, evolving through that space. And there's some really potent, uh, very relatable lessons that are embedded into this interview. So one of my favorites of this year. So I really hope that you enjoy it. All right, Miss Leanne Rhimes, welcome to the Man Talk Show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. I'm really, if I tune into where I'm at, I'm feeling really good. Things are in in the midst of all of this insanity. I'm I'm well.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've got you've got some magic going on. Can you just before I ask you like the question that I ask all all my guests, like tell tell me a little bit about some of the magic that's been happening in your life because you've you've just been yeah been crushing it.
1: There is a lot of magic and it's amazing because, you know, I've been on the road touring since I was 13 years old and I'm now 38. Yeah, 38. <laughs> <I forgot what laughs> that. And so I haven't had a year off-ish like this to be at home in one place in so long. It feels like my whole life has been lived on the road. And so this has been a really interesting year because I thought what was going to be super quiet, which to one extent has been. There were just so many projects that were waiting to be birthed and through me. And at the beginning of this year, I literally, and I've learned not to do this. Like, don't ask the question because you will get the answer. I was mm-hmm. like, how am I going to have time to to create all of these projects? And man, like ask the question. And so it is. And so I had so much time to be able to birth a, I have a chant album that just came out um, called The Human and the Holy, which is a whole new kind of playground for me with my voice, which I've really enjoyed. And then another new playground is my podcast, also Births a podcast, which is called The Holy Human. And um, I'm also creating a new record right now uh, that I should have music out, Really, really soon, like a first new song of a new album, and finishing up creating that. So I've got a lot going on. Uh
0: uh It's
1: beautiful. Like these are all, they all feel so aligned with the moment and um, what it's calling me. I think to to bring to the world with my gifts. So I'm i feel very inspired and enlivened by everything that I'm doing.
0: Beautiful. I mean, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about what that's been like to be on tour since 13 years old and, and what, you know, what your journey has been in development and growth and healing and all those different modalities. But I'm curious now, now I'll ask the question, which is tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that's made you who you are today.
1: So I started thinking about this question and I couldn't come up with like one story because I've had so many defining moments and Interesting, as I really started to dig into it, I got a bit philosophical with it. And I'm like, well, isn't for me like the most defining moments are the present ones and the ones that I I guess the ones that I am most present in. I am finding that as I as I go along on this journey of life, like and especially for for my own self, you know, the most defining moments have been the ones that have been of more present present times as far as, um, meaning the most recent ones. Um, and over the past, over the past year, maybe, um, or two years of really, I talk about all of these projects that I'm creating. I, I think of really listening and trusting myself and my intuition and what was being called of me every time I trusted deeper and God knows we're all being welcomed into, uh, a deeper level of trust at this moment and I think my trust has deepened even more in this past year and every time every time I deepen that trust the things that blossom from there are really beautiful and uh, and challenging too like don't get me wrong (laughs) it takes a lot of challenges for the beauty to emerge but I think the ones that you know there's been so many but the the ones that are that are most present are definitely the most defining
0: Hmm wonderful yeah so so coming into coming into this i think one of the things that i really appreciate about your your work and just observing a little bit of the shifts that you've gone through recently is that it seems like you've come onto this spiritual path this sort of like path of divinity in in some ways i can even hear it just in you know what you're expressing and and what you're bringing forward in the conversation and i'm curious for you like what sparked some of that has that Spiritual nature always been a part of your life. Is it something that that has that has entered in more recently? I'm curious about that.
1: Yeah, um, it has always been a part of my life in in that I've been able to call upon it and utilize it through my voice. I feel I feel like I've always had a really deep connection through my singing voice with, with something bigger than me and greater, you know, greater than all of us. And I. I feel like that was kind of my entry point in, and that I've had that all my whole life. But you know, i I was raised I was raised Southern Baptist, and my mom's a born again Christian. I respect everyone's you know opinions and and ideas and and uh, beliefs and and hers also. But I I really kind of we rubbed up against each other very much in our beliefs, and I kind of ran the opposite direction of anything. Religion, spirituality, um, or at least I thought I thought I did, <laughs> and I think really I started about eight years ago. Um, eight years ago, I checked myself into a, a facility for um, for treatment for anxiety and depression, and I think at that really low moment in my life, and asking for help and starting to starting to trust myself again. Because, you know, being in this business that I'm in and being in starting so young, there's there were so many voices, so many voices that in my head and and in my ear that I started to lose trust with myself. So really regaining that trust and uh, I guess started about eight years ago when, when I got help and I started Breathwork about two years after that. And Breathwork was really what led me into this kind of aha moment or many of them of like who we really are at the essence of who we are. And it got under that, that kind of judgmental, uh, constant, um, nagging, you know, voice in my head. And was, I was able to really get in touch with a different piece of me. And it was, it's always the piece that I've been in touch with, like I said, when I sing, but I've been able to really bring that piece to, to, um, to life or at least allow it to move through me and, and my everyday life for now, it's not Mm -hmm. just when I'm on stage or when I'm opening my mouth to sing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of been my journey of, yes, it's always been there, but, um, it's definitely over the last eight years, I've definitely deepened my own, uh, relationship with spirituality.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I feel, I feel like that's so relatable, just what you're talking about. I'm wondering if you can go a little bit deeper into what your anxieties and what that you know the anxieties and depression you're talking about because I think it's like so many of us can relate to having other people's narratives in our head you know the critical mother the you know neglectful father who only chimes in to tell us something is not good enough or you know the boss or the manager you know whoever it is right the partner even sometimes or like former partner and those things can can really do a number on us by developing a really strong inner critic. And I know for myself, like that was part of my journey. I had, I I've, I've said a few times, like I became my worst abuser, you know, I became the abusive person in my life. And if anybody heard how I spoke to myself internally, I mean, it was just, it was catastrophic, you know, it was really damaging. And and I would never speak to anybody else like that yet. I had full rain, right? Cause nobody's in there. <laughs> no, nobody can, nobody's coming to save us. So I'm curious, like, just, you know, c- can you give us some insight? Cause you were touring, you were, I mean, you were kind of like, you were in a really prominent place in your career when that happened. So how did you come to that decision? You know, how hard was that? What, what was going on?
1: Oh, wow. That was really challenging. Um, it was really challenging to make that decision. And at the same time I saw not only what was the damage it was doing to me, but also those around me. So, um, and and the one, the one good part of my codependency of wanting to take care of everyone else also, um, <laughs> uh, there is a plus to that every once in a while. Um, I wanted to get help, you know, and, and I, I talk about codependency. I mean, for me, that was such a huge piece because I had had, I was, uh, my ex-husband, I had an ex-husband before, you know, he was always with me. My mom and dad were always with me before him. There was always a manager, an agent, a publicist. Like I was constantly around people and I was never alone. And that first, that first night in treatment was tough because I realized like, oh my God, I've never been alone. Like really never been alone. And now here I am at 30. And that was the best piece of my unraveling. And now I like, I crave that time. (laughs) I crave that time alone. I'm like, please just everyone get, get away. (laughs) I need to just go inward. Um, Yeah. So it's amazing. Like really what a 180 I've done in that space, but yeah, anxieties for me, you know, I grew up as a performer, you know, and the, the pressure performing, especially in front of the world, since I was so young uh, you know, We have the the narratives, all the narratives that were fed by society, you know, body image for me was a a big thing. Um, You know, these are still things that I'm working through that I'm, it's not like I've, I've I've dealt with it all or or healed it all. Um, uh, But yeah, body image, um, you know, the, like I said, the performance being the perfection piece, uh, so many things that people can relate to. Um, Mine was just like magnified so it's really been about unhooking from all of those narratives and forging my own path um you know figuring out what's mine and what's not uh what do i truly believe and what um how, like i said i keep saying that trust piece it was really kind of coming back to trusting trusting my own inner guidance and re- really recognizing you talk about that that voice in your head uh the inner critic mine's named tubby i named him tubby he has a he looks like the michelin man like the big marshmallow dude and i i I've, I've really it's bringing for me the biggest piece has been bringing awareness to that voice and recognizing when it comes up like that it's not the truth and that there are other there are other more compassionate ways in which i can speak and to myself and treat myself and it's really kind of interrupting learning to interrupt that voice and that's still Sometimes that voice can take me away, and Mm -hmm. it's—I mean—that's that piece, that inner critic, has really shut me down from utilizing my my voice fully as a woman, as just as a human being um, in this world and taking up space. You know, it's—you would think I've I've taken up a lot of space, and I have to one extent, Um, but you know, in all these new ways that I'm using my voice, uh, these have been—I've really had to, to. be incredibly compassionate with my uh, with my process around these new pieces because man does that inner critic come up so loudly mm-hmm. And uh, it's really for for many years until I've really kind of learned how to dance with it. Has it it really has kept me playing smaller in, in many ways.
0: Yeah, I love that you named it Tubby. <laughs> He's
1: such an asshole,
0: too. <laughs> I mean, it's it's such good. I mean, it's it's just good insight and good advice, right, for people yes. to like to almost like characterize that part of themselves. And it
1: is, it is a character. Totally. Totally a character.
0: Totally, and 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 for many of us, I think where we get lost is that we don't we don't create any space between sort of us and that part of ourselves, right? And as Jung says, Carl Jung says, uh, we cannot heal what we can't separate from. Mm -hmm. And so the idea here, what I love that you're saying is that you know when we create a little bit of separation between this part of ourselves, we can actually start to heal with it rather than fighting against it or going to war with it as I think most of us normally do. yeah,
1: And believe that it's us, that that's truly who we are. Uh That's really... You know, you talk about that space. I mean, we're so enmeshed with that voice that we believe that that is who we are.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's amazing what emerges, who we emerge as. Like, the, like I, you know, said the word essence, like what the true essence of who we are begins to emerge. And the the playfulness comes back, the joy comes back when that voice isn't like constantly berating us with negativity.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you How did you make the decision to like actually like do that? Go into the retreatment and ask for support? Because I think for a lot of people, especially when you know they're in high pressure jobs or they have their family or uh you know they are they have a career like yours where they're sort of like in the limelight and on the main stage and and people are watching the every move and there's a lot of you know criticism and and sort of analyzing and how did you come to that decision and 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 how did you sort of navigate through any shame or guilt around it because i think you know having worked with a, a lot of men one of the major obstacles that we have to face is is facing the shame of actually ask, like putting our hands up and saying like hey actually i need some help you know i need some support here so
1: Every man out there. That's the sexiest thing you can ever
0: do. Yeah, there we go. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's like, I, you know, I look at my beautiful husband, and every time he's vulnerable, I'm like, Oh, my God, that's just so amazing. (laughs) You know, because I know what it takes. I know the narrative that men have been fed and I know that it's it's definitely a challenge. Um, so yeah, so every man <laughs> that's super hot. Um, no, I I think that it's the shame around that is very real, and it was very real for me also. And I had been, you know, my my husband and I actually we've been married almost ten years, but we um, we got together through an affair. In case anyone doesn't know that, um, but because of that, there was so much public shame as a woman going through that situation, and. I think that was also that that shame was so heavy on me um, that I that was part of, you know, the one of many things that had, you know, kind of built up upon one another um, that kind of led me into treatment and. I was already in such a shame spiral that I'm like, "What's one more thing?" Let's <laughs> 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 just like nail in the coffin. Um, but truthfully, it was it was almost a gift if that sounds so strange because I I was already there. I was already so in it that I, I really didn't think twice about it, and I knew. I I was putting my myself it was the time, It was the time to choose myself. Mm. Um I think that's really what we have to do is realize that we are worthy of help and that life will wait. It really will. I mean everyone that's supposed to be there will be there when when you come out. And that was, that was one of the scariest pieces for me was like, what's going to happen when I come out of here and then life is all back, you know, to normal or everybody's still doing the same things. Um, that was a piece that was really, that was really scary. And, uh, to be honest, really rocky when I came out, like it didn't, you know, you want to go hide (laughs) there's, there's so many, so many emotions and really, um, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Those, those 28 days, 29 days were, was just the tip of the iceberg for me of, of getting into our, or discovering um, this journey that I'm on. So yeah, I think that the shame piece is definitely, it's very real and loving, having a, having a support system, even if that's just one person who is, who's supportive and loving, you know, I had was lucky my husband was with me at that time and, um, and I actually had one of my dear friends is, as is an interventionist, and he, uh, which is, is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment. Um, he and my husband and and his husband actually, who are dear friends of mine, we were all having dinner and they were like, look, I, I think it was, I think it might be time for you to get help. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. It, it is. And so luckily I was also in the headspace of, of going, Hey, you know, I, I'm, I I I want out. I want out of this pain. I'll do anything in this moment to try to work work through this. And so um yeah, I I anybody who's out there going through that, I I understand and you're not alone in that shame at all because it is it is very real.
0: Yeah, I I, I love that and I think that's so Valuable because I think for many of us, we get into this, we start to spiral, right? And then there's a lot of shame that we're that we're in that space and that we need support and that we need help. And and it can be the thing that just holds us back from from actually reaching out. And so you know, I think what you're saying is incredibly valuable. There's actually a gift in that space. And do you feel like some people seek those rock bottom moments? I'm just curious. I'm just going to take like a little sidebar here. And then I want to ask about the relationship, but do you feel like some people take like a, like seek out those rock bottom moments so that they can start to change so that they can like pull themselves in down to their depths? Have you, have you seen that in people before? Absolutely.
1: (laughs) I, it's funny. I, um, yeah, I, I think my very unconsciously, I was ready to like burn my whole life down at, you know, and I think I, I did it and I, I now choose those moments. Most of the time, (laughs) I'm better at choosing those instead of like unconsciously doing it. So we're all hell breaks loose.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: But yeah, I think there's something that's very unconscious about the, what drives those, you know, most moments because otherwise like in my case, I mean, I was so, I was driven, I was working, I was constantly doing the things and I, I didn't, I would have never had the time to discover myself in that way if it wasn't for, I mean, that's just my personal experience.
0: Yeah. And what, what was it for you? Cause I mean, I think what you're describing is, is so potent. It's like, you know, you're like, I was ready to like burn my whole life down. Right. It's like, okay, but why, like, what got you to that point? Like what got you to that place where you're like, okay. I'm, I'm just ready to let this all collapse. Like what, what has sort of led up to that?
1: Well, I mean, for me, it was, there was so much fracturing. I was so fractured in so many ways of having to be Leanne Rhimes, this celebrity and this mask, you know, there's this masking that takes place. I think as, as someone who, anyone really, um, who, I mean, for all of us. I don't think it's just someone on my level that's putting themselves out in the world that way. We all have a mask that we wear. Um, but for me, it was just such a there was such a deep divide between who I really was that I didn't even know. Like I didn't even know who I was. <laughs> and, and then Leanne Rhimes, I was trying to keep up this this image. There was the good girl image, like all the things that had you know been fed this these stories since I was such a little girl and. I was just exhausted from it. I think it was because of this image that I was having to uphold and I was just, I don't think I realized how exhausted I was by, by that image. And I was also in a marriage that I think I didn't know how to get out of. And I know that kind of sounds when I've said that, people are like, hey, "Of course, you know how to get out of them." Like, actually, I, I didn't. Like, I had no idea uh, uh, how to how to be. Well, I mean, for me, I didn't even know how to be alone at that moment in time.
0: Oh, I think that's I think that's so relatable. I mean, I've I've been in relationships that I was like, I don't know how to exit this from a multitude of reasons. And I know, I you know, I know a lot of men and women who find themselves in dynamics where they're just like, you know, I don't feel like I can leave this because I don't know how to be alone or I don't feel like I can leave this because I'll hurt the other person too much or what's the judgment of what will happen. So I think that's, that's, you know, I appreciate that you're saying that I'm, I'm curious when you did have that sort of revealing of, okay, there's this mask that I've been living into because again, I think this is so, so many people deal with this where we live into the constructs of what our parents want for us and what society thinks we should be doing, what our you know partner wants for us, etc. cetera how did you start to break free from that? Like what, what was that process like for you? And I'm sure that that's been the last however many years, yeah. you know, it's sort of been this like long process, but what were some of the key things or core things that you came into contact with in the beginning where, where you started to individuate and create that own sense of identity for yourself?
1: Oh,
0: or maybe, maybe if I asked another way, what did you have to let die?
1: Right. Well, um, I mean, I, all, all of the old versions, all the old versions of me, you know, and I had to let, I really had to let what people thought of me die. And it had, it became something where I had to be more about what I thought, you know, that trust piece for me is like what my own going back to, you know, my own. uh, Recognizing too, that I was the, I that wasn't Leanne rhymes was worthy of existing in the world Hmm. as Leanne, like not because, not because of any reason, but just because I'm here Hmm. and I'm still learning that, like that's still just saying it. I'm like, I, I, I about 75% still believe that. And there's this other piece of me that still feels like I have to strive to, to receive love. And that's, that's just something I learned very, very early on. I mean, I look—I would stand in my living room as a kid and, um, like, I mean, not even two years old, really, and sing. And that's—I mean, it's instant. Like, that's your your programming right there. It's like, oh, I do something, I receive, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's been one that's been a huge thing to break away from, as to untangle from, is, is uh, thinking that I always have to do something in order to receive love and. So it was really it's and it still is like I said, really understanding that my worth is not based upon anything external and or what I achieve and uh, and I think the 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 falling away of the 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 crumbling of a lot of those a lot of the achieving and achievements um were probably some of the best gifts that I've ever received was mm-hmm. to. I mean, look, I've been around doing this for 25 years and I've gone up and down and up and down. It's like, you know, like any career. And, but I think those specifically at that time, you know, the, the image that I had created crumbling and letting that, you know, the, the one-sided version of me die and not, you know, as a celebrity, I think there's so much of a humanity that gets left out and people don't want to see it and if they do then it's like it's you know it's uh they use it against you and for me it's been about really bringing all those fragmented pieces that I felt like I had to leave out of who I was back into play and I know you talk about the shadow a lot and it was really about I mean, I saw my shadow, (laughs) I saw my shadow come out big time and, um, not, you know, in hindsight at the time, hadn't having no idea. Um, but in hindsight, looking back at some of the things that had gone on and I was like, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Like I didn't even know that existed in me, but knowing that it, knowing, understanding why it was there and, um, and having compassion for all of those pieces and now allowing that piece to come into play like all of those pieces to they're not really shadows anymore they're they're part of I've invited them to to the table you know they're a part of who I am And I'm like yep I can do I can be that and I can do that and I yep that's all of who I am (laughs) and I can also be (laughs) the light that everyone kind of that's that everyone kind of put me on a pedestal to be as a child, you know, there's also all of that that still exists in me too. So it was really about, for me, this whole journey has been about um, allowing everything to have a place. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I feel like celebrities in a lot of ways become the, the sort of like manifestation or the embellishment of, of what many people experience, you know, it's just a, a really uh, sort of blown up version, right? A lot of people experience needing to act a certain way for other people or having to look a certain way or needing to perform to get love. I mean, pre- performance-based love. I, I feel like so many of the people listening to this right now are like, you know, their hands are up, right? They're like, yeah, that was me. You know, I had to perform to get love. You know, I still do that shit in my freaking relationship. <laughs> right. I, but
1: I mean, you know. I, I saw how that played over into, The bedroom for me, like everything, every piece of my relationships, like it was like I had to perform and I've, Mm -hmm. I've had to, I'm have to be very aware of that energy when it comes in to go, Oh, I don't, it's, it's not about my relationships now are about connecting like my, the piece with my husband, like that's all about, it's a deeper connection. It's not about performance. And, and when I, even when I walk on stage now, it's. connection with me and my fans it's not about necessarily the performance and there's an intimacy that I wasn't I wasn't letting people in at all you know I mean it might have looked like it to to people on the surface but it was it was so surface and like I said I have to really kind of keep that that awareness in check in my life because it's so easy to slip back into performance (laughs) I'm comfortable there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. It's like we we learn how to become gifted in these areas that, uh, you know, either, either keep us safe or that get us love. Right. And it's, I think it's, that's the, that's part of like the, the trap in some ways is like when we start to get very good at doing the things that get us love, but then leave us feeling empty, you know, and that's such a slippery slope. I can't remember exactly what the quote is, but something along the lines of like, you'll, you'll never feel more alone than when you feel alone with in the company of somebody else that you love. Oh, yeah. You know? And that that kind of loneliness. And so I'm I'm curious for you, like, how did you what did, what did it look like for you to start to shift out of that performance based modality? And, and you know, maybe not, especially within the realm of of intimacy or like sexually, but I think for a lot of women, that's a huge thing, you know, it's like, I, I hear that all the time from women that I, you know, have had on the show or that I work with is like, I have, I feel like I have to perform a certain way in relationships, whether it's emotionally or mentally or sexually, like I have, I have to act a certain way. So what did that like? How did you start to break some? Like, what were those expectations that you felt, and what, how did you start to break some of those expectations?
1: Oh, wow. Well, um, I think one of the biggest pieces for me, um, in relationship is, uh, allowing my anger to come forth. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, uh, I think a lot of women can relate to that. Um, that, you know, we, we want to take care of others' feelings. And we, um, especially for me, like I, I grew up, my dad was very angry when I was younger and it was like, all I wanted to do is not be, I don't want to be like that. And I also realized that when I'm angry, like that doesn't get me love. In fact, that was, um, that was incredibly painful for me as a child to be angry in my household. So, um, I have learned, I I learned to kind of keep that close, which has, which can easily cause, um, for me, there's a lot of, can be a lot of bitterness there and a lot of things that I keep down. And this is, I mean, this is very new to me over the past couple of years of really bringing that piece forth in or feeling safe enough. I mean, I feel safe enough in the relationship that I'm in to be able to do that. And that is a wonderful thing to be in that relationship and have that safety to be able to, to bring that forth, and so mm-hmm. one of my biggest lessons right now is to uh, to speak up about that, to speak that before it before it festers, and mm-hmm. and I turn it inward because honestly, once again, that's a piece of that voice, that's a piece of that internal voice for me is like internalized anger. So yeah, this is a it's a new journey, and it's and really what I'm learning, just giving it just giving that anger a place to move. Um, not necessarily sometimes in my relationship either. Like just if I know that that anger is coming up and I don't want to bring it to the table with Eddie, it's more about, you know, can I go, can I go write about it? Can I go breathe through it? Can I go punch a pillow? Like, can I, what, in what ways, like do I feel like I can allow that out? And then after the fact I I come to him and was like, I was really angry about this in this moment and, we can have <laughs> much uh, a much more productive discussion about it, but um, yeah, it's just for me, it's been about even getting in touch with that that anger to allow it to move. Mm,
0: so good. I'm I'm curious about, and then I, and then I want, definitely want to talk about some of the stuff that you've um, been manifesting lately and creating lately. But I'm curious how you and Eddie navigated what was like a, a sort of like public you know, relationship. Cause I, th- I feel like that's so, uh, again, it's so relatable where, where people go through these experiences where they end a marriage and then they have another relationship start like immediately after, you know, that's, that's how my wife and I got started is I literally had just come out of a relationship and we met and our relationship started. And there was, you know, there was a lot of judgment from the people in that knew me or that knew her And it was a very challenging thing to deal with at first because I had had a very real history of infidelity. Like I had been unfaithful in many of my previous relationships and people knew about that. So there was questions of like, you know, was I unfaithful and all that kind of stuff. And so to start a relationship like that can be tumultuous. And yet, from what I know, doing this work with a lot of people, a lot of people's relationships start like that. (laughs) And there's no real guidebook for it, right? So it's like... Yeah. So what what did that look like? Like any, any insight there?
1: Oh, wow. Um. Yeah, it's, I think Eddie and I both were so like, we knew we were so in love with one another. And I think that we both saw how much pain we put someone else through and how much pain that it also put us through. And I, I think we both just knew like that wasn't that wasn't something that we were willing to do to one another. And we had many conversations about this when we first got together. And there's so many people were, there was so much noise from the outside with our situation with, you know, he's going to do that to you. And, you know, you're just setting yourself up. No one changes and like, whatever. And to be honest, like, yeah, I mean, it can happen. And I had to go, yeah, you know, if that's, I'm taking the risk and as in any relationship. Right. And If he's going to, then, then he will, there won't be anything I'm going to do to stop him from that. And that will then be my decision, but it's my, also my decision to take that risk. And I think that we, we just got really clear with one another on, on, and he knows, I mean, I think with my, my history with real in relationship and with my father and so many things, like His masculine energy and the trust that I have with him has been so transformative to my life. And I don't think I ever thought that I would have that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure because I have had so much pain in that area of my life. So to have him and to know that he, to know his love for me has been so healing. So, you know, yeah, it can start like that and it can also end up a completely different way. And I think that it's, you know, it's up to us to, to decide to take those risks. And and I like like I said I think that can happen in any relationship. It doesn't matter if you have a history or not. Like it yeah. it definitely um it's the risk we all take in love, right? So
0: Can you can you maybe just say a little bit more about his masculine energy and how that's been different for you and like what that quality is like for you, how, how you would describe it. Cause I think it's, I think it's generative and very supportive for a lot of women to hear what that quality is like, but also for men for us to understand what that experience is like for a woman when it's, you know, when, when there's unhealthy masculine energy that's maybe chaotic or, toxic or harmful or damaging versus like a very grounded present sort of masculine energy that, that allows for a different kind of intimacy to show up. And so what, what was that like for you? How, how did you know it was different?
1: Yeah. Um, you say grounded. That was exactly the word I was going to use. Um, because that is what he is for me. Um, there is a, there's a sense of grounding uh, to him that is, I think we we have very different personalities um and he grounds mine which <laughs> is wonderful um he allows space for me to be there's space there too and I think that's what's beautiful is that's not there's not this uh this incredible codependent piece where there's not space in the relationship for us to be who we truly are. Mm. Um, And I've grown so much and he's he supported that growth, you know, like uh, through all of my spiritual growth. I mean, we, Eddie and I see things very differently sometimes. And that's what was so interesting. Cause you always hear like, you know, you have to be so similar. And (laughs) it's like, you think like, I mean, even though opposites attract, you think sometimes the narratives that we've been fed, like, you know, things can't work if, if you, if you think differently And, and Eddie and I, Eddie's not incredibly spiritual. Um, and I, I'm totally the opposite side of it. And there's just like this beautiful dance that we do together. And, and it's cool. Cause he's interested and he, he, um, he listens. I mean, that's a huge piece for me is he hears me hmm. and I don't think I've been heard in most relationships and he takes the time to listen. And so there's a, and he sees, <laughs> he sees things about me that I don't, he sees things before I do sometimes. And which is the things that I think I'm hiding from him, I guess, ever is that he already sees through it. And he treats me as, as he as he sees everything that I am. And that's, mm-hmm. that's wonderful to be able to feel like I can bring all of me to the table because I think that that's in any relationship, that's obviously, I feel like what we're looking for. And I think also what we, in a, in a lot of relationships where we don't get the opportunity to do
0: yeah, very, very, very true. What's, what's it like for you when, so I think I heard a few things in there. One is seeing the potential, the who you are, the capableness of you, right? Like really trusting the fullness of who you are. I, I don't know if that's really no. like the right way of saying it, but, um, but that part feels very important. And then yeah, I think we I think we as men hear this all the time. it's like you know I just want a man who listens and it's like okay what is what does that mean because because I, I think sometimes because guys are like do you you know I get this question all the time it's like should I just sit there and listen to her or you know like do, do I not say anything back or it's like well you know don't don't try and fix anything that's number one but what does it feel like because I think for most men when they can sit in that space and they can you know be very present, not distracted with like thinking about other things while they're listening, right? To actually clear their mind and be in their body and pay attention to their breath and actually be in that moment, right? Just like right here, right now, there. There's a different quality and experience that most women say that they have when they're around a man who's actually present and grounded. So what does it feel like in your body when Eddie's just like holding space for you and he's present, like what does that experience for you?
1: Yeah, Eddie. Well, and Eddie does both, by the way. <laughs> <I totally laughs> um, that's
0: good.
1: That's I, good. Yeah, I call him on and I'm like, look, come back. Come back to present. Yeah, good. Um, when he's present with me, it's wonderful because he, what I find that's so great is he usually repeats back to me what I'm saying. Like really mm-hmm. and he truly, truly hears me and takes me in. And sometimes it's funny that you say like, am I supposed to just sit there? Sometimes he, I feel like he is just sitting there and he's like, I'm like, are you listening to me? And he's like, yeah. He And he, re- he totally will repeat back everything I'm saying because he actually is sitting there and taking it in. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to actually, it took me a while to actually be able for my own nervous system, for my own self to sit in that with him because- I'm so used to something else. So it kind of, it freaked me out for a moment <laughs> and sometimes still does. I'm like, wait, you, you know, cause it's, it's rare that we have people that listen to us into to that depth. And so, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's, and it's funny that I, that I confused it for him not listening at first because of, I've never been listened to in that way. So yeah, there's a, there's an interesting piece there. And for me, like I, like I said, I think there's the biggest pieces that I can tell that my own nervous system, I'm I feel more relaxed, I'm willing to allow pieces of me to come to the forefront that aren't that I wouldn't normally feel comfortable with. And I as, when I can tell that I'm I myself am going to a deeper place with with him, I know that he's he's present because it does make a big difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a good reminder of, of for I think for, for all of us that when things are unfamiliar, you know, like being listened to or having mm-hmm. space held for us or, or real intimacy, you know, I think it's it's very common for people to not know what real genuine intimacy in, is in partnership where it's not performance based, right, where it's it doesn't need to look a certain way so when those things are unfamiliar to us, it is such a good reminder. What I hear you saying that we, we have to build trust with those new ways of being right. Like when we go through these transformations and we start to, or we get into a new relationship and we start to experience that new quality of intimacy or being listened to or being seen. It's like, man, that takes time. You know, it takes time to for our bodies to acclimatize to like, Oh shit this person cares and they're listening and can i trust that you know because i think we're so if we're if we've been conditioned for the opposite that our nervous system is conditioned to be looking for what's not working you know and what's what might not be right
1: and that happens i mean that happens a lot in my own head, that, that voice again <laughs> of always, I mean, I think we're all trained to look for what's not right, but even, even and especially in relationships, if we have been, if we have been hurt enough <laughs> and, um, and for me, the abandonment wound has been really massive. Um, you know, it's uh, I have to keep my, my own, I, I've had to get familiar with those stories that I tell myself to keep myself safe. And Mm -hmm. I've also had to go through the discomfort with him of being loved for all of me, because that is uncomfortable because I, I in my own of lack of self-worth think that, how could he love me? If I can't love me, how can he love me in my fullness? And so that has been, it's been super uncomfortable to allow myself to be loved in my fullness in places where I sometimes don't love myself enough. Hmm. So yeah, you're speaking to something in both of us very, very, very true is that the growth is so uncomfortable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) To learn something new is so uncomfortable. And we have to, I think what I've, I've recognized that discomfort is for me that a lot of the time, it's not that there's something wrong. It's that there's something actually very right about what's going on.
0: Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. Like leaning into the resistance that it's a, it's a teacher, right? Not a, not a, a a bumper boundary, right? It's like, remember when you go bowling and they have put up the (laughs) bumpers, right? I think that we, we in life often treat resistance, like, we bump up against it and it's like, oh, I shouldn't be going that way. And it's like, no, no, that's not, that's not it. It's actually, that's the teacher. That's the Sherpa that I think we need to listen to a little bit more. So, so you're, you're kind of coming out of this, like, uh, you know, a bit of like an artistic incubation period, you know, or sort of like a metamorphosis. And, you know, I think with the new podcast and, um, and with, we know with this chant album coming out, I'm, I'm curious what that, transition has been like for you, because it seems to be really like imbibed with a lot of spiritual undertones. That's so beautiful. I listened to your chant album the other day in the car and I was just like, wow, like (laughs) I got, to I want to use this at a retreat. I mean, it was really, really stunning. I was really blown away. And so what's that journey been like for you to kind of have this new sort of version of creative expression come forward and what's your incubation period look like?
1: Oh, wow. Um, well, that incubation period can be like the chant album was only about, I would say, a real like six month exploration. And then like this new album that I'm working on has been, you know, a, a year and a half. And so it, it just depends. And what I've learned about that whole incubation period and the creation process is, you know, all in divine timing, because, gosh, if I would have finished this record... Uh, before this pandemic, I don't think that some of the things that I've written about would have come forth. Mm-hmm. And so, and, you know, as, an, as a creator I, and a writer, I utilize a lot of life experience for for my writing. And so um, I think there was a lot of things that needed to come through. So I've, it, that incubation period, I have to be very patient with, and I get, you know, it can be very frustrating too because you're like I just want to finish this and I just want to get it out and it's trusting trusting the whole process of it so um yeah I I am bringing a lot of spirituality forth and I think my life and the last 8 years have kind of really brought me to this place of of having something very specific to say and um and that I want to put out into the world right now and what I'm I'm being very intentional of of how I what I'm wanting to bring forth because I think there's there's a need for um there's a need for the light that I'm for lack of a better word but that the light that I'm bringing forth at this moment through my music and and uh the narratives and the stories that I'm telling and you know we talk about unhooking from all of these past narratives and it's I feel like I'm I'm bringing a new one forth in my music and that's Mm reminding people of who they are, reminding people of, of, you know, their internal journey um, and what they're connected to. You know, I, it's funny. I did a like a Christian like record when I was 14. It's so funny. Cause I feel like I'm almost coming full circle, but in like a completely different way, like, right, right. <laughs> like from the other side of it. Um, and, and like, you know, this, this chant record was, like I said, I kind of a new way to use utilize my voice and, which was really intimate because these are like prayers in a way from me and, and really kind of letting people into that piece of me, which is so intimate. Um, And then this album really, this new album is kind of a, it's an extension of that in full song. Um, But there's a lot of, there's a lot of rage on this record too, like sacred rage. I think um, definitely Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of worldly I, I guess I'm just talking. I'm, I'm speaking to the times. I think in a, in this moment, and so it it feels incredibly powerful. In fact, I just mixed the um the first single, or did I, we don't even call them singles these days. Like the first song that's coming off the record, and I can't. Every time I listen to it, I bawl. I can't listen to it without crying because it's so powerful. And it's it's called uh, "Throw My Arms Around the World," and it's it's amazing. I've never had that experience with a song before, and it's just like one of those moments where you know that you've, you've, what you were put here to do, like you, you have accomplished and you you've, you've kept up the end of your bargain. <laughs> it's like, when I listen to it, I'm like, okay, I know that that's a piece that I was brought here to create. And as a creator, that feels so beautiful uh, to be able to have those moments. And I don't know how I'm going to sing it. <laughs> I'm going to be crying the whole time. Um, but that's so cool. Cause I, I feel like that's, when people see me live, those, those are the things that do come forth and I let them because I feel like that's the piece of my humanity that's been missing, you know, that has, that I haven't been able to bring to the stage. And that's such a fun place to play now because I get to bring all of me.
0: So good. Can you, t- can you speak a little bit more about sacred rage? Cause I feel like that's something that is timely is needed. You know, there's a, um, a psychologist that I really admire and appreciate that I've uh, that I'm speaking to actually next week. And his name is Francis Weller. And he talks about this concept of holy outrage. And I like the, you know, it sounds very similar, right? This idea of sacred rage. And I'm, I would love for you to just maybe share a little bit of, of what it means to you and why you feel like these times that we're in are really calling for some sacred out, some sacred rage.
1: Oh, Wow. That's so yeah, it's it's interesting what's flown through me on from this record. Um especially as a woman. There's like there's a lot of there's a lot of rage coming up as a woman that I didn't even know existed until probably this last few years. And yeah, there there is a need for this rage at this moment in, in order to protect um, in order to come home to ourselves, in order to. In order to break away from these narratives that have that have kept us from from our own hearts um, and from each other, from our connection to one another, it's all. I mean, look at it; it's all coming up right now for you know for us to either continue to hook into or to break breakthrough from or break through to the other side and to. I think there's so much that's coming back online with community and, and being in, being in communion with one another and with ourselves. And there's all of these things that have kept us from it. And that rage is so important in order to burn through these moments in order to, you know, it, it drives us, it feeds us and, and to, uh, to come back home to something that is whole and holy. And that's funny because that's the one thing that's kept coming through for me um, so deeply in these past several years is what is, you know, the the wholeness of who we are and the holiness of that and how much those play into one another and how our humanness and our holy are, we're just flip sides of one coin. And we have to be able to come home to both of those pieces. Like we have Mm. to realize how divine, we are along with how human we are and the more that we can go deep into that humanness and claim it the holier whole and holier we, we find ourselves and it takes some anger to be able to move through everything that we have been programmed mm. uh, with. And so, yeah, that sacred rage is. Uh, we're, we, I feel like we're put on this earth at this moment, um, for that to, to arise for us to, uh, to change this world and we, God knows we need it. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's almost like there's uh there's like a reclamation quality yeah. that that's within sacred rage, you know, it's like, and I think I, I love that we speak about it in terms of the, the time that we're in and, and what the world is going through in this very sort of um, age of crisis. Uh, Robert Green, who's the author of uh, 48 Laws of Power, he's released this video about how we're living through the age of crisis. And I'm doing this series next year about living through the age of crisis. And part of what I've really been thinking about is like, where sacred rage plays a part in this, because I think what people are feeling internally as they just watch this sort of conglomeration of, of fear and anxiety and, uh, chaos and unsurety that people are sort of feeling this call to be outraged, you know, to like, there's a lot of rage that's happening, but it's not directed necessarily towards the, the, the sort of sacred aspects of pulling us back to, or thrusting us forward into a, a, a sense of collective healing. Or even even healing on an individual level, and I think what I hear you saying is that that sacred rage can be very cleansing and very healing. And yeah. so I'm curious for you, like, where has that sacred rage played, shown up in yourself and in your own maturation process?
1: Well, I think I mean we go back into that. We go back into the the piece that I was talking about, the mask that I was wearing for so long. And it's like that was talk about some rage that like, I had to, I had to take my, I had to take myself back, you know, like I, I feel like I'd given myself away to the world and to not even, never really even having a chance to know who I am, you know, um, without being in the public eye. And, you know, for my own healing, that anger has, has played a huge part um, in reclaiming, me and reclaiming, uh, my boundaries, um, knowing that, you know, I, I can be, I can be a sovereign, um, being without having to serve everyone else. Uh, and that's really kind of, you know, how I, I felt like I was at at the service and not in a good way. Like I, I, I love serving, um, when it's my choice, but I was serving so many others, without really having a, with that, without that choice. And so that, that rage for my own healing and to, to take me back was a huge piece of it. And um I'm still learning so much about that piece because sometimes I, I find that, that rage is scary to touch because we, especially as women, like we've, you know, we've been told that that's very unsafe and it's not a pretty thing to to touch. And there's something about the the wildness of that that feels so exhilarating and so truthful, but also very, very scary. And so you're right when people, I think a lot of the anxiety and depression and the things that people are experiencing are a lot of emotions that remain unexpressed. And I think that, that rage and anger are huge pieces of that. And when when utilized, um when we know how to work with those pieces, we can really start to utilize them to 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 shift for and for ch- to to make to create change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, it's it's definitely something that I think people the whole world is being invited to get in touch with those pieces of ourselves again because they're Yeah, it's it's energy, right? I mean, it really is at the end of the day. It's just energy. And when we can start to have a better relationship with that energy, man, it can power like it's fuel. It's major fuel.
0: Yeah. I feel, I mean, I feel like it's it's the difference between uh I talk about this sometimes, like going to war on ourselves or going to war for ourselves. And the difference in that equation is like where the the quality or the texture of our anger, you know, is it clean anger that's That's embodying that sacred rage that you're talking about. That's, that's going to war for us and, and helping us actually move in the direction that we want, or is it going to war against us? And it's just aggression, you know, and it's like unclean and it's that, like that, you know, sort of toxic anger. And I I also think that, you know, speaking on the, on the male behalf, I feel like we are. In some ways, being asked to meet women's anger and to know how to hear it and know how to be with it. Like I remember again when my wife and I first started dating, Vienna and I, like she, she had a good amount of anger, and you know, I think at first it was hidden in our relationship. It wasn't necessarily about me. She just had anger, you know, about a lot of stuff, past relationships, some stuff in her childhood. And I remember this one instance where her anger came forward. And I just was like, okay, I can, I can hear you. Like what, what you got right now, he sounds like you're pretty pissed. Like what's, what's happening inside of you. And that's how I met it. Right. And she was just like, wait, what, <laughs> you know, she was so <laughs> caught off guard.
1: <laughs> well, and that's something Eddie and I are working through. Cause I, um, I'll have anger that arises in me and it will come out what I think sounds really passionate. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> and I I've had to he's he's pointed out to me like your your tone, you're really angry right now. And I'm like, actually yeah, I am. i it's taken me a moment to start to claim that piece mm-hmm. instead of trying to hide it. No, I'm not angry. Why? <laughs> you know, it's like in the moment you're like, I'm not angry. And you sound like you're, you know, yelling across the room. Um and it's it. I started to laugh about that because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm angry. <laughs> I'm really angry. And it there's some humor in that also because I'm starting to. It's amazing how unconscious we can be about those pieces of us. And yeah, it is very challenging, I think, for men to hold that anger from a woman. And sometimes sometimes he can't, and that's okay. Right now, like we're both on both sides. I'm learning about it, and he's learning to hold it. And yeah. it's uh, that's the dance we're in right now.
0: I found, I found the, the, yeah, the dance, the dance for me was like, okay, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot coming at me right now. It's a lot of force and energy. And it was knowing when to dance in the direction of holding it and hearing it and being, you know, like holding space for it and understanding where it was coming from and understanding the hurt that was behind it versus when it moved into like, maybe, um, had aggressive space that wasn't productive, and then learning to set boundaries with it. And it was very hard because I grew up in a home where there was no conflict. And yeah. when conflict did happen, it was aggressive and abusive, mm-hmm. and so I I kind of experienced those two angles. And she had a very different upbringing with conflict. Uh, I I liked I, I sometimes said that like you know her sixth love language was conflict, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> just like you know it's like it's not a love language, babe. Like you can't you know can't pick conflict out of love. Um, but but learning that dance of like. How do I set boundaries with this part of you? And so and I think I think we're all adjusting, you know. I think both men and women, the masculine and feminine, are coming into a new form of relationship as we reclaim holy outrage or sacred rage, and we reclaim some of these parts of ourselves that that we have abandoned in the last however many you know hundreds of years, um, but specifically the last you know however many decades. So um, so I'm going to end off here with just asking you a little bit about um the the idea of holy human and why why you chose that because i i love that topic i love that concept and i'm just curious like what do you want people to know about this this new voice that you're bringing to the world and and why it's why it's important especially right now
1: yeah um holy human like i said earlier we're kind of like that that flip side of coin and i feel like i you know, the humanity of, for my own self is just now coming to the table really like fully. And I, I know there's a lot of people that have grown up with me and, and known one piece of my voice. And I've, I've had people um, write in and say, after listening to the first couple podcasts, like this is the first time I feel like I've actually gotten to know you ever. And I've listened to you my whole life within like 45 minutes, all of a sudden I feel like I'm really knowing you. And I just wanted a place where we could all learn together and I could share my journey and what I'm experiencing and hopefully people find some, some, some safety in that space and some inspiration from what I'm sharing. And it, it really gives me a place to just, just, just fully to bring it all, to fully show up. And it's interesting because I I've, I've had to edit myself for so long. Like I've I've had, when I was younger, I remember my my mom and dad and managers, everyone saying like, don't have an opinion about politics, don't have an opinion about all these things because if people don't like it, they don't agree, they won't buy your record. So my whole life has been about editing myself. And so this is so scary for me because I'm like, oh, I'm fully, like I'm fully showing up and fully just letting it, letting everything be, and that has, I mean, I, I'll have moments of like freak out, breakdown, crying before I go to film or to, to record. And then afterward, it's like, Oh, I feel liberated. Cause I just uh, like, I just healed a new piece of me by just going through that experience. So it's really, it's very healing for me because I, I am just, uh, I'm getting to show up as Leanne. And so, and, and like I said, I, I want to take people on that journey. I have a, I have you know being who i am i have access to so many wonderful people um to bring on to just discuss life and trying to make sense of this insanity that we're <laughs> this human experience so um yeah it's uh, there's so many levels to it for me of, of why um and i'm learning so much from it and i yeah i hope people i hope people dig it it's it's uh, a whole new way of sharing myself and you know, I, I do it in interviews, but it's I, it's so interesting to be on the flip side of of the interview. And I've never done that. And I learn every time I do it. And yeah, it's a it's a learning experience. And I think that's what people are I think this was so interesting. I did my first episode was on fear and I took it solo and I really wanted to talk about the fear that I was going through, you know, even just creating the podcast. And I think I, I listened to it. I only, I've only listened to like half of it still. I won't listen to the whole thing, <laughs> um, but I listened to half of it. And my first thought was, oh, I want to go back now that I know what I'm doing. I want to go back and record this. And then I was like, I can't do that. Cause that doesn't, that's not in alignment with, with what, why I'm doing this. And when you listen to the episode, you can hear it in my voice. I mean, I'm terrified. And I've gotten so much feedback from people of that was what was so different and cool about it was because you allowed that for that whole experience to be there. And so that's that's how I'm showing up on there. Like totally not polished at all. It's just it's a completely different completely different experience.
0: Yeah, so good. I mean, it's, it's so liberating. I I totally I totally get that. Like I I don't know if i had mentioned this before, but like as a like I was a former classical singer um, yeah. an opera singer. And like in that space, it is the epitome of perfectionism, you know, and every single, like, it's just, it's heinous, you know, it was like Especially really
1: like classic, like yeah. classical Yeah. Training.
0: Yeah. It was, it was just wild. And so when I started doing the podcast, it was a very similar thing where it's, it was this transition of using my voice, for art and creativity and that that vehicle of expression and then moving into this space where it's about my thoughts and ideas and and like this whole different realm and i felt that part of me as well was just like how do i be perfect in this space and how do i say the right thing and i was just like no no that's not that's not why i'm here like that's not what this is for and so it you know it took a while to adjust to that especially like the the mini episodes that i do by myself where you know, just just roll and be fluid, and and teach, and go into it, and allow that that divinity to sort of flow through. And I think it's such an important thing that you're you know that you're bringing forward now, especially when I, I read a stat the other day it was something like twenty seven percent of Americans identify as I think it's called S, it's a SBR or SNR, spiritual but not religious.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, and it's like the fastest growing populace of like the religion, but I mean, they they don't really have a category for it necessarily. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like you're speaking to the part of the American consciousness or Western consciousness right now that is really emerging. It's emerging rapidly because it's sort of seeing what's happening in politics and in religious culture and in our culture in general, and almost feeling this pull back to I don't know if back is the right word, but feeling a pull into a, a more depth oriented whole version of ourselves and the conversations that need to coincide with that. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank well, you. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, for joining and being on the show. This was a, a real, a real honor. Where can people, uh, one, where can people find your chant album? What's it called? And two, when is the new album drop? What date?
1: Yes. So um, Holy Human is the podcast. The chant record is called um, The Human and the Holy. I always get those two mixed up. The Human and the Holy. Um, And that's, uh, you can find it anywhere you stream music. And then uh, the album, I will have new music out by the time that this comes out. Um, A song called Throw My Arms Around the World. So that you can get any way stream music too. And uh the album is hopefully sometime in May-ish. We're not quite sure yet. I'm still finishing it. <laughs> so um, I have a couple of months to like really finish it up. Uh But yeah, sometime the, I'd say middle of next year. So I'm looking forward to, to having new music out because I, I think this is such a special record. So I'm, I can't wait for people to hear it.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show and yeah. for everyone that's Yeah. For everyone that's out there, I mean, you can click the links in the, in the bio below, uh, in the show notes, and we'll have all of that, uh, all that there and definitely head on over and check out Leanne's podcast. It sounds like a a good one and, uh, and definitely worth it, worth checking out. And until next week, uh, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual.